Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. Today, I want to teach, not preach. So I trust you brought your Bibles with you and your notebooks. I always carry my notebook as well as my Bible when I attend the service because it helps me to concentrate and retain that which is said. The title of my message is Prayer, the Disciple's Way of Life. Prayer, the Disciple's Way of Life. I have been teaching on this subject for the last nine weeks at our fellowship, rather at our webinar teachings that I do every Sunday evening. And you know, the more I teach on it, the more revelation I receive from it. One of the mistakes, and I believe it's a great mistake that we do in church, is that we hop from one subject to the next every week. And we barely skim the surface of the truth that the Spirit desires to communicate to us. There is nothing like camping on a subject and staying on that theme, on that particular truth, hearing it over and over and over again, studying it, meditating on it, in order to make it part of our lives. Hearing it once or twice, or even half a dozen times, is no guarantee that we know that particular truth and we walk in it. The only way that we can say we know a truth is that if that particular truth has become part of our inner man and we walk in that revelation without any real struggle. So in my own teaching and ministry, I, I desire to camp on a certain truth and teach it from every angle, giving the people an opportunity to digest it. Jesus said in Mark's Gospel 4.24 in the Amplified, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that will come back to you. In other words, the more you study a subject, the greater the revelation you receive. And you know, prayer is one of those subjects in my opinion, that you cannot exhaust it. The deeper you go, the more you realize how much there is in this ordinance of prayer. And personally, I believe that prayer is one of the most undervalued ministries in the body of Christ. Hence the need to teach on it so that the people of God may understand the value, the power, 
And of course, it is a privilege to pray. It should not be a burden. Amen? So the founding, foundational scripture that I want to use for the lesson today is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6 and verse 6. Jesus is speaking and teaching on the subject of prayer. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now the Lord's instructions are very clear concerning the discipline of prayer. He didn't say if you happen to pray, now and again or sometimes. He said when you do, when you pray, this is the way you do it. He expects every disciple, every believer to engage God regularly in a lifestyle of prayer. He showed us how to pray. And he also promised, notice, Jesus said there is an open reward for those who pray the way he directed us to pray. Amen? Amen. Now, I know that we cannot possibly cover everything there is to cover on this all-important subject of prayer in one session. We need much more than that. But what we will do this morning by the help of the Holy Spirit, is to cover some of the basic and foundational aspects of prayer. Can we do that together? Amen. Amen. In my prayers, one of the things I do is that I continually ask the Father to give me a greater depth of understanding and revelation concerning the subject so that when I teach it, I teach it in such a simple way that not only it becomes attractive, but it helps the people of God to grasp the value of prayer, be attracted to a lifestyle of prayer, and become a joyous expression of the intimate union with Christ. Amen. That's what prayer should be. Not a burden but a joyous celebration, a joyous expression of our intimate relationship with Christ. Would you say amen to that? Amen. amen. So let's ask the question, what is prayer? What is prayer? Well, prayer primarily, the way that I understand it, is fellowship with the Father through Jesus, His Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what prayer primarily is. Prayer is many other things, but primarily it is fellowship with our Heavenly Father through His Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Godhead are involved when we pray. Amen? Amen. Now, it is through the vehicle of prayer that we fellowship with the Father. It is through prayer that we offer praise and thanksgiving. It is through prayer that we offer our petitions and our requests to our Heavenly Father. But also it is through the vehicle of prayer that we join forces with God the Father, asking Him 
to bring heaven onto the earth. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it is through the vehicle of prayer that we intercede and pray the very will of God as it is in heaven to come here into our place where we live, where we work. Amen? Amen? Prayer is also a God-given ministry which is given to every believer in the body of Christ. Regardless of your status, your position, your denomination, your color, where your ethnic background, where you come from. It doesn't matter who you are in the body of Christ. Even if you are the least part in the body, God has given you a ministry of prayer. And we need to view prayer as a ministry. Why? Because it is through prayer that we minister to our Heavenly Father. It is through prayer that we also minister to the sinner. Amen? It is through prayer that we minister to the body of Christ. We minister to our loved ones, to our family, and even to ourselves. How do we do it? Through the vehicle of prayer. And let me say this. Many believers are sitting in church waiting for God to give them a ministry. I, I, I see it so often. Waiting for God to give me a ministry without realizing that they already have a ministry. If you are a disciple of Christ, if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, God has given you a ministry of prayer. Amen. You need to embrace it, you need to receive it as such, and get busy with it. Amen? Amen. Now, it is through prayer, I believe, that every other ministry is birthed and released in the body of Christ. If we are unfaithful, and I say this with all the tenderness and the love of Christ that I have for you, if we are unfaithful in the ministry of prayer, God will not entrust you with additional ministry. I don't believe that anyone should be involved in ministry unless he's faithful in prayer. Hello? Talking about worship ministry, children's ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, evangelism. If you are unfaithful in this ministry of prayer, God will not entrust you with additional ministry. And we leaders in the church, pastors and elders, should not entrust people with any ministry that are not people of prayer. Right. Amen. Amen? Our churches will be much healthier if we adopt this principle. So we need to view prayer as a ministry. God calls His people to pray. And we need to understand that prayer is a calling from God. Sometimes we hear, well, God hasn't called me. Yes, He has. 
God has called every single one of us. If you are part of the body of Christ, God has placed a calling on your life. And it begins with the ministry of prayer. Maybe you are just a few weeks old in the Lord or a year old in the Lord. You still have a ministry of prayer. It is the call of God. Without prayer, there would be no communion with the Father, no fellowship, no requests, no petition made. And when God gave us the ordinance of prayer as a means of communion with Himself, He literally gave us Himself. This is why prayer, I believe, should occupy and receive our highest attention and priority and form an indispensable part of our daily lives in this journey of faith. The Apostle Paul said, pray without ceasing. Prayer to the believer should be like breathing to a living soul. You cannot live without breathing. And we cannot sustain our spiritual life without prayer. Our Lord Jesus, while He was here on earth, He was in constant fellowship with the Father. And He said, I do nothing unless I see my Father do it. I do not speak my own words unless I hear my Father speak. The words that I speak to you, they are not mine, they are the Father's. The works that I do, they are not mine, they are the Father's who dwells within me. How was he able to see the Father? How was he able to hear the Father constantly? Because he was an attitude of prayer all the day long. Very simple. There were times when he went out to a solitary place. And there, the Bible says, he prayed for hours. Sometimes all night long. If Jesus needed to do that, my brother, my sister, how much more do we need to do this? It's no wonder why we do not see the power of the Holy Spirit that we long to see in our churches today. Is because of prayerlessness. The people of God are neglecting the most important ministry that God has given to His church. Say Amen. Amen. Well, say, Oh me, Lord, help me to pray. So I pray this morning that I will not just impart words to you, but I will impart spirit and life. And it will help you or enable you to understand the value of prayer and the high priority God places in the ministry of prayer. Let me give you some of the benefits of prayer. Prayer will take you into places that nothing else will. Prayer will create platforms will open up doors for you to go through. Prayer will give you utterance into families, communities, and even nations for the purpose of influencing them for Christ and His kingdom. You can be here and affect people all over the world 
through your ministry of prayer. You don't have to go there. Amen. I know in my own experience, as I began the ministry, I would go into places in the Spirit and pray long before I stepped foot into those places. And when I had gone there physically, I knew that I had been in that place before. How did I do that? Through the ministry of prayer. That is why I say to you that prayer will take you into places that nothing else will. Not only that, prayer will mark the boundaries of your influence in Christ. Did you know that you cannot influence people unless you pray for them? And the only people you will get to influence are the people you pray for. Because God is going to reveal things to you about the people you pray for. He may come to you in a dream and show you, give you a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy. Why? Because you prayed for that individual. Because you prayed for that family. And I have discovered that the people you pray for are the people that eventually creep into your heart. You cannot pray and criticize at the same time. Are you listening to me? Paul says to the people he prays for continually, he says, I have you in my heart. So the people you pray for are the people you hold very close to your heart. The more you pray for them, the more you love them. The more you pray for them, the more influence you will have over the lives, the decisions they make. And you can influence their destiny through your prayers. So often we try to convince people with argument. And we try to push and we try to shove the Bible down their throat and and preach to them. Stop it. None of those things will help. But prayer will help. Amen? Amen? So, that is why I say to you that prayer will mark the boundaries of your influence. Prayer strengthens our inner man. It is strength to our spirit when we pray. And it also fuels our inner man with passion. It imparts to us whatever we need for the day as well as for the people we pray for. When you pray for someone or a family or an individual, God will give you His Word concerning that individual. He will even reveal to you their prophetic destiny that you can prophesy over them and speak the blessing of the Lord over their lives. That's why we should pray daily for our children, our grandchildren, our immediate family. Because through prayer we can influence their destiny in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's what prayer will do for you. Prayer will also purify our hearts and our minds. 
resulting in us being separated from things that do not enhance our purpose in the kingdom of God or the purpose of our mission in life. Prayer will do that for you. In other words, your prayer life will ultimately separate you from things and even from people. I have found that to be true. Because the more dedicated you become to God, the more you pray, the more the the fire of the Holy Spirit purifies your heart, your motives, your intentions, and ultimately causes you to separate from things, even people, that do not enhance the call of God on your life. Nothing else will do that but prayer. I heard someone say once, you can preach and perish, but you cannot pray and perish. Amen? Amen. God's plans, listen to this. We're talking about some of the benefits of prayer. God's plans and His purposes for our lives are birthed and they are released through the womb of prayer and fellowship with the Father. I have experienced that to be true. My ministry was birthed through prayer. It is sustained through prayer. It grows through prayer and it will end through prayer. It just seems that I never get through praying. Now, I don't lock myself away all day and pray, but all day, besides the private, devoted time that I set aside every day to be with the Lord, to fellowship, to study, to meditate, to pray for my loved ones, for my ministry partners across the world, I endeavor to maintain an attitude of prayer. Amen. Because I know that God's plans for your life and His purposes can only be revealed to you through the ordinance of prayer. And I will prove it to you. Many things in the mind and the plan of God remain unborn for many believers. They don't even get to see them. Never mind experience the blessing that God has for them. Why? Because they have not sought the Lord in prayer. Remind you of the word in 1 Corinthians 2. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. Neither has entered into the mind, the natural mind of man, the things that God has already prepared for those who love Him. But God revealed them to us through His Spirit, for His Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So when we pray, when we fellowship with God, that's when the revelation of the Spirit is released for us to see and to hear things that we cannot perceive with our physical senses. We enter another realm, the realm of the Spirit that is more real than this natural physical world. How do we do that? We do that through 
the vehicle of prayer. So many plans, purposes of God, things that God destined for you and I will remain unborn in your life. You'll never get to see them because you have not sought the Lord. And the scripture proves that in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 through to 13 we read the following. For I know, this is God speaking through his prophet, the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Notice what the next verse says. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Notice how the two verses go together. Many people quote the first verse. I know the thoughts the Lord has for me. They're good plans. Thoughts of peace. To give me a future and a hope. And they stop there. You cannot stop there. Those thoughts and those plans. Those blessings. That God has ordained for you. Will not be revealed to you. You will never get to see them. You will never get to experience them. You will never get to walk in them. Unless you call upon God. And pray to Him. And seek Him. Not just haphazardly. But all of your heart must be involved in seeking, in searching the face of God. People today want the blessing, but they're not willing to abide by the conditions for that blessing. Every blessing that God has given us is conditional. It does not just fall on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. You're going to have to put your heart in it. Your devotion in it. You cannot be a half-hearted disciple. One foot in the world and one foot in the church. You're going to have to become dedicated disciple, committed disciple, faithful in the ministry of prayer. Then God's blessings will run after you. You don't have to chase the blessing. The blessing will run you down. And you will see the blessing of the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, the psalmist said, all the days of my life. But that is not without conditions. The psalm starts with, the Lord is my shepherd. And because the Lord is my shepherd, then goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Let's not misquote scripture. And this portion of scripture here in Jeremiah is often misquoted. God says you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. No one has ever left the throne room disappointed when they have searched for God with all of their hearts. Revelation, understanding, wisdom concerning the plans, the purposes of God. Not just for you, but for your loved ones. 
And for, for, the, for the call of God upon your life, you may not have been called to be a pastor or a preacher or a teacher. You may have been called to be a businessman, a lawyer, a doctor, or whatever field God has called you into. God will reveal those plans. And He will show you the secrets of heaven if you will seek Him with all of your heart. Therefore, we come to the conclusion that prayer releases the birthing of God's purpose, releases the birthing and the revelation of God's thoughts and plans for your life. Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, was a result of one woman's intercessory prayer. Hannah, she refused to give up. She persevered in prayer. She fasted. She sought God. And Samuel was birthed. Many things remain unborn. In our cities, in our communities. We complain about it. We gripe about it. Many things within the house of God are lacking. Oh, there's no love in this place. Well, why don't you pray for some? There's no caring. There's no shepherding in this place. Well, why not pray that God would birth the shepherding ministry? The caring ministry, the healing ministry, the deliverance ministry. Where is that going to come from? Not while we sit and gripe and complain. But while we fall on our face and we lift our voice to God and say, God, release your ministries in this house. Release your ministries in your church, in this city. We want to see the gifts of the Spirit operating in its fullness. And when we take that seriously as a united body of Christ, then the world will stand amazed at the power of God that is released upon our cities. But there is a price to pay. And the price is prayer. Prayer shapes the very future of our walk with the Lord in our divine destiny. Prayer will shape your future. My prayer life shaped my future and my destiny. I am here today because of the prayers I prayed yesteryear and many years ago. I'm not here by accident. I chose this path and this life through my prayer. So your prayer life will shape your destiny, the destiny that God has for you. Amen? Amen. It is my prayers that I have prayed that have guided me to the place I am today, both spiritually, socially, and financially. No other reason but my prayers. That is why I say that prayer is so foundational for the believer. If you miss this, you miss everything. You cannot expect the blessings of the Lord to fall on you by sitting in church one Sunday morning. You, have, you, you put no effort in prayer. 
You put no effort in studying the word. You, you just, you're just waiting for, for someone to wave his magic wand and heal you and bless you and deliver you from your financial problems or from your marital problems or whatever problems you may have. It does not work that way. The Bible says, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Is any afflicted, let him pray. It doesn't say call your brother to pray for you. You pray. You're afflicted, you pray. And in my walk with the Lord over 41 years, I've experienced some, some deep, deep, deep times of darkness and problems. How did I walk through them? I didn't run to any man. I ran to the Lord. And I shut myself in my prayer closet with my Bible. And there, I wrestled in prayer and the Lord delivered me. The Lord ministered to me. The Lord encouraged me. The Lord comforted me when there was no one around to comfort me. Amen. We are in a fight, folks. Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. It is a fight every day. We're swimming upstream while everybody else is going downstream. And you cannot do it without the supernatural power of God and the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit which is released through prayer. Amen. The disciples, the 120, remained in prayer for 10 days. And then, what happened? The Spirit came like a rushing mighty wind and filled them all up with the power of God. And they were able to stand and minister to the people and carry out their assignments. But how did the Spirit come? Through prayer. The release of God's Spirit is released through the vehicle of prayer. Wherever people pray, the presence of the Lord is there. You can walk into a place and you can sense whether people have been praying there. Amen. I believe that the failure of every Christian endeavor is related to prayer failure. Real spiritual work is done and executed in prayer. Demi, would you please tell me when my hour is up? Because I didn't time myself. Just give me five minutes warning. Or maybe two minutes. Thank you. Now I want to share with you an indispensable tool for a lifestyle of prayer. Knowledge and understanding are key to an effective prayer life. Knowledge and understanding of the subject. In order to increase our knowledge in the area of prayer, we need to be willing to do our homework. No one can do that for you. You're going to have to do it yourself. Amen? I mean, life teaches us that. If you want to be successful in any sphere of life, you need to put time into it. You need to put effort. You need to persevere. And most times you need to put money into it. Amen? 
When it comes to an effective prayer life, we must be willing to study the subject in depth. Meditate on the value of prayer and be willing to learn from others as well. We don't know everything. None of us do. I recall in my earlier years, I was just a few months old in the Lord as a born-again believer. And I began to take an interest in my prayer life, especially when I got so frustrated as a result of my limited knowledge in prayer. I, I was frustrated. I would pray the same thing over and over and over again and it became dull and boring and there was no life into it. I don't know if you've experienced that. But from time to time, I seem to, to hit a ditch somewhere. Not just in our prayer life, but in every other sphere. Where we do things for the sake of doing them. It's like a religious routine. It becomes a burden. There's no life in it. You need to stop. If you ever reach that place, you, you, you stop. You shut down. And it was one of those times that I really got... I didn't know much about prayer, but I, I, I know I knew that I needed to pray. Now... I went out and bought every book I could find on the subject of prayer. There was a Christian bookshop in the, in, the, in the city that we were living in. There was only one. And I went and got my hands on every book I could find on prayer and began to study and read on the subject of prayer. I recall the books of Andrew Murray on prayer are excellent. Excellent. I grew up on, those, on his writings. Now, I, I began to order teaching tapes. Those days we had tapes. We didn't have CDs or DVDs or, or MP3s, whatever you call them today. No, those tapes, I don't think there's any around nowadays. I ordered teaching tapes on prayer and began to listen to them hours on end. My wife can bear witness to that. I built an office upstairs in my business and delegated all other responsibilities to our members of staff. And I went upstairs and I, I built my own library up there. And that was my Bible school. And I listened to those teachings on hours on end, endeavoring to capture the spirit of prayer that was upon the man I opened my heart to. That's why I said you've got to do your homework. You cannot be effective in any area of life without having the necessary knowledge and the necessary understanding how things function. And you need to study the subject of prayer. You need to study it in depth, the value, the importance, the different kinds of prayer. The kind of prayers that please God. And most importantly... I prayed. You need to set time aside to do that. I recall just a few weeks old in the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm going to give you 15 minutes a day. And 15 minutes was after, usually after I closed the store, went home before we had dinner. My wife was busy cooking dinner with the kids. I would go upstairs and I would set the clock. You may have to do it that way. I know it's a bit legalistic, but if you have to start that way, start that way.
and I would put the clock 15 minutes and I would not get out of my prayer closet until 15 minutes was up. That's how I learned to pray. Soon, 15 minutes was not enough. I've increased it to 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. You grow. You don't learn to cook by just reading books on cooking and reading recipes. You get in the kitchen and you start cooking. You don't learn to drive by studying all the rules of the road. Do you? You get behind the wheel with a driving instructor and you drive. That's how you learn. Everything in life you learn by practice. The most effective way for us to learn how to pray is to pray. So when you get into your prayer closet, as Jesus said, go into the the, the most private room of your house, shut the door, do that. And there you have the instructor within you who will teach you and help you and guide you how to pray. The more you pray, the better you become at it. Amen? Thank you. I have five minutes and yet I'm so far from finishing my my teaching today. But in these five minutes I want to summarize one of the major strongholds that hinders our prayer life to a great extent. And that is a legalistic mindset. A legalistic mindset. What do I mean by that? You know, as I said, prayer to the believer should be like breathing to a living soul. It's not a burden to breathe, is it? It's not a duty we have to perform, is it? (laughs) But rather a natural expression of someone who is alive and well. Yet for many of us in the Christian community, prayer has become more of a religious burden and a duty we have to perform rather than being a joyous celebration of our intimate union with Christ. Would you say amen to that? Now I ask the Lord, why do so many of us, Lord, view prayer this way? Why has it become a religious burden a duty as opposed to being an expression of life and privilege. And this is how the Lord answered my question. Please pay attention. I won't be able to explain it fully, but I want to summarize it. He said, for the legalists, prayer is a religious duty they have to perform because they trust in the religious efforts rather than in the grace of God. They use prayer as a means or a basis for justification. A legalist is someone who trusts in a religious practice rather than trusting in the grace of God. Now, when you do that, you laying aside, you nullify the grace of God. And you cannot pray without His grace. Amen. It is impossible. In other words, we have people say, well... They think that the more I pray, the more righteous I am. That's so far from the truth. 
We're not justified by our works or our own efforts. We are justified by grace through faith. Amen? Amen. Now the legalists put all of this pressure on themselves. And when you have that, I have to pray. I must pray. The more pressure you put on yourself, the more you fail in that area. But when the Lord said to me, when the pressure, when the pressure to perform is removed from us, we become free. We are free to become the kind of people God anointed us and called us to be. Amen. Amen. So you cannot view prayer as a, as, as, a, as a form of legalism or as, a, as, a, as an effort to earn the blessing of God or to become more. You will never be more righteous than what you are when you got born again. That's why prayer has become a major, major problem when we view it as a legalistic duty rather than an expression of our relationship and our fellowship and a celebration of our intimate union with Christ. Friends, I trust that I had been able to communicate some truth to you this morning. And I pray that you will take these words to heart and study the subject of prayer. I believe Pastor Mike said to me that he will, he, he, actually he was intending to teach on prayer next week. Stay on it, Brother Mike. Stay on it. Repetition is a mother of learning, Brother Mike. So let's all stand. And I want to give an altar call this morning. If the Spirit of God has been nudging you, calling you to a place of more consistent prayer, and you have ignored that nudge, you have not responded the way you should, you need to repent. And this is as good a time as any. So I want to give an altar call for repentance this morning. If you are not a person who is devoted to prayer, you need to repent. Because Jesus said, when you pray, the Word of God says, devote yourselves to prayer. This is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. So I want to give you an opportunity to stand not before man, but before your heavenly Father and balance the books today. Say, Lord, I repent. I repent of my prayerlessness. I have not been consistent in my prayer life. I have neglected to fellowship with you, to cry out to you, to pray, not just for myself, but for my loved ones, for my church, for my pastor. For the people I care for, I have not prayed. I have not called upon your name. Therefore today, I come before you in humility and I repent. And I ask you to forgive me.
But not only that, Father, I want to ask you to empower me through your grace that I may return to the prayer closet. In Jesus' name. If you're that person today, put your pride in your pocket and prayerfully walk to the front and I will pray with you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're not standing before man. You're standing before God. And your business is with God today, not with me. So you need to turn your heart to the Lord where you are, right there where you are. And in your heart, call out and do that which the Father wants you to do. I want to give you a few minutes to repent, to ask the Lord to forgive you, and then I'm going to lay hands on you. Trusting the Lord would impart a measure of the spirit of prayer the desire to pray, the grace to pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.